0: Hello and welcome to the Hindu Parlay, a forum for discussing topics of contemporaneous relevance. Today we have with us two eminent political scientists, uh, Professor Suhas Palshikar and Professor E. Sridharan. And the topic under discussion is, has the FPTP system or the first past the post system resulted in polarization? Let me begin with Professor Palshikar. Uh, Professor Palshikar, you had written written recently about the second dominant party system uh, since the BJP came to power in 2014. Uh, You had also said that the BJP has now emerged as the central pole of Indian politics. So uh, even if the party since 2019 has lost with vote shares uh, that has reduced in subsequent state elections, uh, they seem to uh, retain the highest average cumulative vote share for election cycles. So that said, what similarities and dissimilarities do you see with the so-called Congress system, the the Congress's own hegemonic period in the 50s and 60s?
1: The similarity obviously is about the numbers and in its capacity to fragment the opposition. Uh, As far as numbers are concerned, we find the similarity in the sense that uh, a party which is dominant gets disproportionately larger share in the seats in legislatures. Uh, the other similarity, as I said, is in its capacity to remain dominant by virtue of fragmenting the opposition and therefore this recent discussions about opposition unity. The dissimilarity, however, to my mind is that the roots are different, the journeys are different. The Congress uh, emerged as a hegemonic party as a result of its contribution to the freedom struggle and the role of Gandhi and Nehru and so on and then converted that into its electoral dominance. Whereas in the case of the BJP, we find that it emerged in 2014 as electorally dominant and subsequently it has been now trying to establish uh, establish its hegemony. And that's why I have argued, the point that you were making, I have argued that its hegemony was still in the making when it became dominant electorally.
0: Right, sir. Uh, Professor Sridharan, uh, just as Professor Palshikar pointed out, uh, there was a certain legitimacy that the Congress enjoyed that allowed it to, uh, you know, uh, make uh, uh, use of the legitimacy into a form of hegemony. And that hegemony over time uh, gave way to several trends in uh, Indian politics such as federalization, uh, regionalization and so on. So, in a sense, uh, the electoral system, even if was dependent upon the first-pass-post system, uh, there was a certain degree of diversification in the in the party system that allowed for newer parties to emerge they had discontents with the congress system in particular but uh, th- that that came about organically and so the first past the four system in a way uh, didn- did allow for uh, diversification and also di- uh, and also diversity in the in the political system but uh, since uh, 2019 uh, th- th- there is this uh, uh, you know critique that uh, the bjp has uh, garnered a much higher number of uh, seats uh, uh, compared to its relative vote share, which is less than 50%. So, does this conjuncture revive the debate on the first past the post system, sir?
2: Let me first go back to the earlier period. Uh, the BJP's uh, dominance post 2014 and 19 is based on only a plurality of the vote, about uh, 31% and then about 37% of vote share. Converts into a clear majority of seats is similar to the Congress system between 1952 elections and uh, 1984. When Congress never crossed 50%, Congress got a percentage in the 40s of vote share, plurality, that is the largest single number but short of a simple majority. And that converted into a clear majority, sometimes two thirds majority, in one case 84, three fourths majority. So, in that sense, the mechanics are the same. The first part of the post system tends to magnify the seat share of the party with the largest vote share. Uh, and the others below that get uh, less seat share than their vote share, typically. There are exceptions like Karnataka State Assembly 2008 or the state assembly 2018, where uh, one the party which got slightly larger vote share actually got less seats. So those are exceptions. By and large, uh, 1st past the system tends to give a bonus in seats to the party with the largest vote share. So, in that sense, the BJP's uh, uh, performance in 14 and 19 is like the earlier Congress hegemony, a uh, majority of seats based on only a plurality of the vote, but less than simple majority of the vote. Now, uh, the other point you made uh, about... Uh, and, and I would say that the BJP hegemony is still not quite that of the Congress hegemony of the past. It has not reached two-thirds or three-fourths majority, and that the 303 seats it got in 2019, out of that 42 seats were from three states, Maharashtra, Bihar, and Punjab, where they were dependent on vote transfer uh, from allies. So, uh, uh, in that sense, it is not yet the old type of Congress hegemony of the 50s and 60s and of the 80s. So, uh, now to come back to your other point that you know, the post system allowed uh, 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 diversity because of the rise of regional parties and all that. I would just like to introduce the, uh, you know, the, the Diverger's Law uh, to your re- uh, readers. Diverger's Law argues, Diverger was a French political scientist who argued that the first past the post system tends towards, tends to produce a two party system, essentially at the constituency level, and that translates easily to the national level in unitary party systems and in the federal system like India. It translates to a two-party system or a bipolar system, two coalitions or one party versus a coalition, a bipolar system at the state level. And this happened from 67 to 89, produced a large number of bipolar party systems at the state level. And therefore a lot of opposition party, primarily regional party governments post 1990, it produced uh, uh, it produced three kinds of bipolarities. One is Congress versus BJP in a number of states. Congress versus left-in-three states. Congress versus a regional party in a large number of states. So you. Multiple types of bipolarity coming out because of the operation of Duverger's law producing two-party systems and the state level, post-67 and post ninety, uh, post-89. post Now, 2014 was the end of a 25-year period of coalition and or minority government. Although there the coalitions but still in a minority depending on that support, 89 to 2014. Now, post-2014, you have the restoration of what uh, uh, Professor Palshikar said is second dominant party system. Uh, we've seen in the last two elections. Now, I, uh, what the first-past-the-post system does is to magnify the in seat share, the vote share of the largest party. Now, I don't think this is necessarily produces polarization. If you look at the opposite system used in most parts of the world, the uh, proportional representation system where seats are allocated to parties in proportion to their votes, roughly, mean, there are many variants of the PR system, but roughly that. That can also produce extreme polarization. If you look at the 1978 Sri Lankan constitution. Now they have a parliament elected by uh, a a PR system, but it has produced, it has not got over the extreme ethnic polarization in the country, although the Tamils get a larger seat share than they would in the first past the board system. uh, And similarly, Israel, which the whole country is one district, it has a highly, one of the most highly uh, proportional PR systems. It is a highly polarized system in ethnic and religious terms and in political ideological terms. So, I don't think the first-past-the-post system can be blamed for producing polarization. I think polarization is is linked to the politicization of certain social cleavages. Now, social cleavages are many types in all societies. They, They can be dormant, they can become active, they can be activated. So, it means when certain social cleavages get activated, or a certain ideological shift takes place in the society uh, and is then uh, magnified or not magnified by uh, the first-past-the-post system, but the PR system can also magnify it. And also, and, uh, like Sri Lanka and Israel, uh, the examples I gave, you can have a highly polarized system, even with a highly proportional representation system. So I don't think we need to blame the first-past-the-post system or think of changing that system uh, 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 to... Change what is happening. I mean, the system only reflects what is happening in the underlying electorate and society. There is ideological shift, so it is at that level that those ideological shifts have to
0: be uh, uh, engaged with. Yeah, fair point, sir. So, uh, Professor Palchikar, I mean, just to build on what Professor Shidharan was saying, uh, you know, th- there are sufficient reasons why you know our constitution makers themselves chose the FPTP system. Uh, you know, they they were cognizant of the uh, issues that would come up with a pro, uh, proportional representation system which could uh, lead to Fisi divisive tendencies and uh, also our history has played out in a way that has allowed for the diversity in our party system. Now uh, as Professor Siddharth says that uh, what you see in the form of uh, political polarization today is a reflection of the social cleavages in Indian society but also there's this conjuncture seems to also show A lack of uh, negotiation or coordination between the uh, ruling party and the uh, opposition. Uh, If you look at the the PRS legislative researches uh, look at um, uh, uh, the performance of uh, parliament sessions over time. Uh, This session for example saw very little business done Uh, bills are passed with hardly any discussion Uh, there are very little bills are sent to standing committees which were seen as uh, places where uh, you know members of parliament could interact with civil society beyond their party frameworks and lines and also take independent positions. So uh, in terms of deliberative and participative democracy, there seems to be some kind of stasis in the sense that there is very little negotiation or coordination between the ruling party and the opposition. And that seems to be also tending towards a certain form of political polarization. Would you agree that is the case? And do you think the electoral system is to blame?
1: I think uh, I would agree first with Professor Sridharan about the point that he made that it is not the FPTP system that is creating polarization and if therefore we find some polarization in politics or as you say some adversarial relationship between the ruling party and the opposition, uh, we need to look somewhere else for the reasons. I think one of the general reasons without going into the contemporary stasis that you pointed out is this failure of institutionalizing the parliamentary system, which actually presupposes a certain negotiation and spirit of give and take, a certain continuous deliberation between the ruling and the opposition, that we have sort of failed in generating an institutional pattern for this uh, tendency. Uh, One can locate it, and I would locate it probably around the 1970s, since the emergency period and around that, a little earlier than that, this uh, spirit of dialogue sort of dissipated and then it has been up and down from time to time. So, if you come to the current moment, I think it is the distrust between the ruling party and the opposition about each other that produces this kind of stasis and inability to talk to each other. So, uh, in a sense, uh, if you want to sort of theoretically formulate the problem, the problem is not about the institutional mechanisms that we adopt but the processes through which we implement those mechanisms and it is in those processes that the failure currently lies and historically also probably we can locate it in the processes. Uh, Those processes uh, as again Professor Sridharan pointed out uh, actually uh, can be located in the social and other cleavages that we come across and the way in which they play out in competitive politics partly to add to what he said i would also say that it is the extreme competitiveness of politics and the frustration that comes out of dominant party system whether first or second that leads to and also the arrogance that stems from your electoral dominance that leads to uh, an uh, inability to engage with the opposition whether the opposition is in the ruling party or outside the ruling party
0: yeah, five points. Sir, so uh, um, th- w- what you see uh, in in the in the in the lack of procedural uh, uh, bonhomie, if I can put it that way, or you know, bonhomie is expecting too much. Uh, just the proced- lack of proper proceduralism and uh, the stasis that we see uh, at the, at the uh, in Parliament today is not something that is unique only to to the Central Parliament. It's it's also it also is happening in various state legislatures. Um, uh, and uh, 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 the, the spirit of negotiation, dialogue and uh, uh, they can be adversaries. The opposition and the ruling party can be adversaries. But uh, the tendency of the opposition to uh, think that uh, the, uh, the, the uh, ruling party is playing an arrogant role and, uh, and that of the opposition, of, of the ruling party that the opposition is only playing a you know, confrontationist role and uh, uh, not a positive role seems to be seeping into legislative, po- legislative uh, politics across the country.
2: Is this a trend uh, that you notice, Professor Shridhar? Well, yes. This a uh, confrontational uh, uh, situation in parliament and the legislatures has uh, heightened uh, in the last uh, couple of years, and especially in the session which has just concluded. Now, uh, this is of course linked to a sharpening ideological uh, uh, divide uh, in politics, uh, which reflects a sharpening sort of ideological cleavage. Uh, in the wider uh, society and electorate, uh, but I think it is also linked to the suspicion that the fundamentals of the system are being sought to be changed uh, uh, in the if not now then in the long run. So uh, that adds to the element of suspicion and to the confrontationalism between the government and the opposition. Yeah, so
0: th- that 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 leads to the next question, sir. I mean, there is uh, also the case that the BJP is not like. Congress of the 50s and 60s, uh, it is not a it's not a similar hegemonic force. Uh, it, it has had in its manifesto, you know, the the uh, idea that uh, the abrogation of uh, Article 370 would happen. It, 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 it promised uh, a CIA also and so on. But uh, these issues uh, come outside the purview of uh, the so-called political consensus that pervades other parties that 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 are largely uh, linked to our Constitution in terms of. Uh, you know, welfareism in terms of secularism and so on, all other parties conform to that. But the BJP has its own agenda, which militates against the constitutional consensus uh, of most other parties. I won't say all parties, but most other parties. Uh, is that t- tendency or that attribute of the BJP also a reason for this uh, situation that we see today? so please go ahead.
1: Well, yeah, I, I would agree entirely because, in fact, what Professor Sridharan was earlier saying, I was going to supplement it by this point, precisely this point, that uh, what we witnessed today is a, a new phase and that new phase is marked by this confrontation, which is not merely a political confrontation in the ordinary sense of the term. But uh, here is a party which wants to change the entire system fundamentally and other parties are still not sure how to respond to that. They instinctively oppose it. But at the same time, they understand that because it is an act of the dominant party, they will have to sort of adjust and adapt to that stance so that they garner adequate number of votes in the next election. So this confusion among the non-BJP parties, uh, in a sense, produces not just distrust, but also confusion in among the political parties about what ideological positions they should be taking and how they should define the ideological divide that is marked by the onslaught or by the advance uh, or by the offensive of the BJP. That is what we are witnessing today. So, whether you like it or not, the BJP has changed the terms on the basis of which political competition will now be held ideologically and the inability of the non bjp parties to appreciate this to respond to this and to produce an alternative narrative has produced a frustration and that frustration gets reflected in their various responses to the bjp
0: right uh, professor sridharan your 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 views on this uh, uh, yeah
2: yeah there is a perception that uh, uh, the uh, government is uh, the ruling party is uh, sort of pushing against the constitutional consensus, I mean, in the, in the opposition. Now, uh, the constitutional consensus is actually a fairly strong in our system, in a systemic sense, in the sense that there are about, you can say, three and a half layers of protection uh, to the basic structure of the constitution. One is, I mean, to change the constitution, need the two-thirds majority in both houses. I mean uh subject to, uh, subject to uh, at least 50% of the house strength of the house voting uh, so uh, you need so those are i mean uh, now the uh, government doesn't have it has a clear majority but not the majority in lok sabha it has a uh, uh, doesn't have a majority in the rajya sabha so it will have to to uh, make constitutional amendments get the uh, uh, you know, agreement of other smaller parties, which it so far has been able to get. And then it has to go through judicial review. I mean, the courts have not yet pronounced on some of the major controversial uh, uh, issues which have come up in the last two years. Uh, and then finally, for centre-state, uh, set some uh, set of articles on centre-state relations means half the state assemblies. So you can say there are roughly about three and a half layers of protection to the uh, constitutional consensus the way it has been understood till now. So I don't think changing over to the, from the first past post to a proportional representation system is going to change this. I mean the uh, the issue is really at the underlying level of the electorate and the society at large that as I said there are there's a there are ideological shifts going on. There are social cleavages which were earlier government
0: which are now active, activated or being activated. Uh, professor Bashir, uh, uh, related to the previous question uh, one of the uh, challenges that the bjp faces i mean uh, it has managed to overturn the consensus on cer- certain issues such as uh, uh, while secularism still is the de jure uh, principle that governs the indian state it has slowly whittled it down there is it has obfuscated the line if i may put it that way in, in the form in the way it has, uh, the, the prime minister goes about uh, touting uh, the ram mandir uh, other issues. But one hurdle that the BJP faces is, uh, is to overcome uh, these, the, 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 the slowly built over time federal consensus, if I can put it that way. Uh, uh, this this was not initially uh, something that uh, uh, was articulated in the Indian constitution in clear terms, but uh, it came from demands from below. Uh, over time, we saw uh, significant federalization of uh, not just India's polity, but also in the way states were governed. Uh, and the 90s, especially, accelerated this impulse. If I'm not wrong, uh, so now what we see—correct uh, me if I'm wrong—is that there seems to be emerging an, an opposition that is uh, tuned on uh, federal issues, uh, on federal on federal matters in particular. Uh, may it be uh, fiscal transfers, uh, may it be uh, 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 you know uh, issues on which states demand more autonomy, and that especially uh, has accelerated during the COVID period as well. Correct me if I am wrong, sir. Is, is the federal issue becoming a area of contestation on which the BJP is being, uh, uh, I mean, uh, seen as one pole, and federal parties and regional parties are on the other pole? I would put it this way that yes, in
1: principle, uh, the flashpoint in the coming, let us say, five years or so could be this federal relationship between the centre and the states either on fiscal or on other particularly administrative and also finally political matters. Uh, But at the same time, let me also add to this that uh, the various state parties, parties that are important in a number of states, are still not sufficiently aware of this possibility. And therefore, they are busy mainly buying peace with the uh, ruling party at the center, rather than confronting that ruling party. And therefore, I don't see in the near future a direct flashpoint emerging politically between the state parties and the BJP on this question. Also, given the ability of the BJP and any central government for that matter in the last three decades to directly transfer resources to local bodies in the states, bypassing the state government and also controlling the administration of the states one way or the other has weakened the state party's ability to take on the central government it is both objectively speaking they are not in a position and subjectively they don't realize where to pitch the fight and that is going to be a very fascinating therefore period where you actually have all the mak- makings all the uh, potential of a federal flashing flashpoint. but at the same time the actual flash points may be somewhere else in reality
0: i, points I think uh, to put it more uh, directly uh, what you see is the uh, what you see is a mixture of negotiation, confrontation, and adjustment by various regional parties like the BJD, the um, uh, the TRS, and the VayasarCB preferring to uh, negotiate or uh, use friendly relations with the center not to advance their uh, goals. While you see the DMK, the TMC, and others of, of uh, 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 like the like like the left, uh, for example, adopting a position of confrontation or even uh, contestation uh, in in several ways. Uh, Professor Sridharan, your your uh, take on this? Sir. Just a
1: moment, sir. Uh, for the first set of parties that you listed, I would probably uh, prefer the term acquiescence. They're, they're acquiescing rather oh. than negotiating because they don't have much to negotiate with. But anyway, why? Uh, I
2: think uh, Professor Palchikar has covered all the points. I was just going to next one. In fact, I think the points are covered.
0: All right, sir. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, since we began uh, discussing the electoral system, Professor uh, Shidran, uh, this is, uh, I mean, you have, both of you have made it quite clear that we'll be barking up the wrong tree if uh, we suggest that the FPTP is to blame for uh, uh, the, the stasis or whatever we see uh, in Indian politics today. But human sir. Uh, if uh, I give you an option uh, of an FTP, 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 sorry, first part of the post system with a uh, preference rule rule, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, preference rule system to go along with it. Uh, would you think it, it to be a better form of uh, voting than what is in vogue now? Uh,
2: you mean something like the
0: Australian system? Yeah, something like the Australian or the main uh, system, sir, or the, the, uh, where you have a, uh, we have a, a, a plurality voting, but uh, uh, you basically give the voter a second or a third choice, and these are added to the first choice before the uh, uh, before we elect the winner, the winner necessarily has to have fifty percent of the overall choice. That 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 method, sir. Yeah, not a proportional system, but a B system with preference voting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I am not familiar with the main system.
2: The Australian system is some, is uh, fairly similar to what you have just described. Uh, now, in India, it would mean again uh, a lot of complication in the minds of voters. I mean, in a much less educated electorate. Uh, you know, uh, with less permission to rank alternatives. Uh, that's one thing in terms of the ease of the system. Uh, secondly, that you know, it's like uh, uh, imposing the 50% cutoff, you must get 50% uh, uh, votes to get elected. Unlike now where you can get elected with 35-40% in the rest of the field is Uh Now, this would actually uh, make it easier for the leading party to reach the gap between, say, 25-40% and 50% is less than the leading party compared to somebody who gets, say, 20-25%. So it would actually put that 50% mark within easier reach of the leading party and, in fact, maybe possibly uh, contribute to the same kind of magnified majoritarianism that FPTP does, uh, in its own institutional way
0: so it may not be that different uh, but uh, does it also allow for some degree of negotiation between larger and smaller parties and uh, gives uh, i mean there might be a voter for example who might want to vote for the bsp for a certain reason and the congress for a certain reason and uh, therefore could therefore give uh, preference uh, second preference to uh, the congress for a, uh, for example so the, that kind of negotiation could enhance the system, Professor Palshikar, what do you think about that?
1: No, I don't really think uh, this would work the way you are expecting it to work. But to go back to the theoretical point that Professor Sridharan was making, he has theoretically quite clearly explained why this proposition is not tenable. Uh, I would add to that a couple of things. One is that uh, generally speaking, um, personally I would think that to put an extra burden on the voter in whichever way in the act of voting is unfair. And that is why this system is uh, not to my uh, liking. I wouldn't prefer it. That's one. The second point is that the 50% as he rightly pointed out is something artificially finally achieved. And therefore, I think let us go back to the drawing board once again and ask this question. What is one of the major drawbacks of the F.P.? Uh, One which with which you started is that there is a disproportionality between votes and seats. But as India's experience during the 90s shows, uh, if the party system itself and politics itself are adequately competitive, then that particular dimension of the FPTP system gets automatically neutralized and parties tend to get uh, a share of uh, seats which is roughly Uh, commensurate with their vote share also. Uh, The other problem with this system is that the threshold is so tough that new parties cannot enter the fray. And therefore, I would suggest that rather than this system that you are suggesting, one could think, if one were to be audacious, one could think of a system which supplements the FPTP system and let's say we have 10% seats in the legislatures, which are recruited on the basis of parties' vote shares. Uh, That would ensure smaller parties an entry point into the legislatures and that is enough for making the party system more competitive. The bottom line however is that if you artificially create mechanisms to become, uh, for the political system to become fair, the natural competitiveness gets distorted and that is why I would generally prefer FPTP both on grounds of voters' convenience and a natural competitiveness being allowed in the system.
0: So uh, essentially, we could conclude in a way saying that there is enough diversity inherent in our society uh, that reflect that is reflected in our polity to that extent, and there is enough agency within our political uh, dynamics of uh, India that allows for diversity to come out some somewhere or other, and uh, uh, it is incumbent upon uh, the parties in the opposition, therefore, to utilize this uh, inherent phenomena within India's uh, uh, society to upend the, or challenge the hegemony of uh, of the of the second party system that we are uh, currently seeing involved. Am I correct, Prof. Sridhar? Uh, yes, I think there
2: is sufficient uh, diversity at the societal level. Uh, you know, there are two theories of the party system. One is that, First-past-the-post uh, system tends towards a two-party system, at least in federal countries at the state level, at least, if not national level, and in unitary countries at the national level. The second theory is that in a socially diverse country, a, a party system will be diverse. It will not just tend towards a two-party system. There will be multiple parties. It will be a multi-party system, even a diverse society, where there are several active social cleavages around which uh, 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 you know competition takes place. So, uh, in that sense, India seems to support, at least at the national level, uh, the view that social diversity will produce a multi-party system Naturally, even though we have bipolar systems in almost
0: all states. Thank you, Professor Sidran, Professor palshikar Thank you again. Uh, it was very uh, uh, educative for me. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Bye, Sidran.
0: Bye.